0: Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it.
1: Happy winter solstice!
0: Here we are, launching on a solstice.
1: Which is also Faber's birthday.
0: Yes, which is also Farah's birthday, but also important because of the prominence of the solstice in the fantasy realms, darkest night of the year, very important, very cool. And today we're talking about ourselves. Since we're just starting off in this episode, I thought it would be, you know, a good idea for you, the listener, to get to know us. I'm Laura Marie, and in true millennial form, I'll start off by using my Harry Potter house to define me. I'm a Slytherin. I'm also an airy sun, Virgo moon, and a Capricorn rising, so take from that what you will. I moved from Detroit to Florida, and as you can imagine, it was quite a culture shock. So I turned to the Accelerated Reader program to help escape the weirdness of being, quite honestly, the tallest person in my grade, and also the new kid in a small town. I really, really hated being forced to read books at school— I never really understood why the classics were forced on us, especially because when you're that young, they're not good, even though now Frankenstein and Dracula and all of those are important and, you know, you can see why you should read them. But when you're young, who cares? I don't know. It didn't really make sense to me. I really discovered that I loved books when I was, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 or so. When I started reading Francesca Leah Bloch and The Hanged Man, that book just like blew my mind. And I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. It is just poetry and it's about LA. So that's also a plus. And I also really love Daughters on the Moon by Lynn Ewing, which is kind of a hard sell, but also about LA. There is a theme and it's, it's pretty cool. And then all of those things coupled with Buffy – were very foundational in who I am as a person. My absolute favorite fantasy series is A Pattern of Shadow and Light by Melissa McPhail. No one has read these books. Absolutely no one. But the narrator is Nick Podell, and he's my absolute favorite narrator for audiobooks. And I will say that I am an audiobook reader. That's how I consume my books, which is like a whole other episode. But going from that my least favorite read that i have read this year has to be without a doubt serpent and dove it's terrible it is absolutely awful and i think that is because of the male narrator he he's like william shatner on crack it's just horrific my favorite ya series is the folk of the air so that's cruel prince wicked king queen of nothing and the new book that's coming out that shall not be named until I have it in my hands of course Akamath we all know this and Throne of Glass which is very important I will say that as much as I love Sarah J Mass, I have not read Catwoman and I don't think anyone's read Catwoman we don't know her we don't include her (laughs) in our heroines it is just not something that we uh, really acknowledge that being said we love Crescent and we love (laughs) And we love Bryce.
1: Oh, team Bryce. We love her.
0: Team Bryce. One little thing about Throne of Glass, because Jessica here hasn't read it, is I cannot, and I've reread this series several times, I cannot make myself finish um, the last book, Empire of Storms. I cannot. It breaks me. And on top of that, starting Kingdom of Ash is also very difficult. So Jessica has yet to read them, and she will, and that (laughs) is something that she has to look forward to, and I'm very, very excited about that.
1: I still have yet to read it because I've done the Akatar series. I've read Crescent City. I've emotionally been broken where I have to, I had to fall out of it for a little bit just to like distract me. I have to emotionally prepare myself because there's, there's a lot and book talk gets me excited, but also fearful of my anxiety and depression that is very very much alive when I finished Akamath and Akawar like I lost 12 pounds in 10 days my nutritionist was mad at me like I couldn't eat I couldn't drink I couldn't sleep it was I would be up I had insomnia it was it was actually probably really unhealthy which I'm sure book talk can super relate to I went through a terrible breakup and I don't even think I was this affected. <laughs> so take that for what you will. But if we're going to do the whole astrology thing on the Capricorn sun, Libra moon, rising Virgo, I don't even know what that means, except that in true Capricorn form, I am an ambitious workaholic, but in the best sense to me, because I love work. It relaxes me, which leads into my Harry Potter house in true ravenclaw form. I I like learning, I like applying the things that I learn to what I do and then I get to marry the two of my passions which is work and my career in the entertainment industry. Growing up, books were everywhere. We were encouraged to read. We had limited TV time, but that also probably feeds into part of the reason why I'm completely obsessed with my career now, because I get to be fully immersed in something that I was denied growing up. So I get to be part of the entertainment industry. I get to consume media on all levels. I could watch a movie and say, I'm doing research. I Even with reading, I could look up Casting characters myself and be like, oh, it's research. Everything comes down to research at the foundation. I remember during different school breaks, I'd go to my aunt's outside of Boston. And the second we would land before we even get home, we would go to the bookstore and we would make at least two to three additional trips from the first one because I would just, I'm a speed reader. I could just pick up a book, finish it the next day, or even within that day. So books have just kind of always been ingrained in me. For third grade, Laura, I know I haven't told you this story. It's very exciting. <laughs> so Laura and I have known each other for 16 years, and I know I haven't shared this story. So in third grade, there was a secret Santa. One of those secret Santas that it wasn't for a specific person. Everybody just brought something and you just picked based on the numbers. Well, my lovely childhood, I was last in everything, including secret Santa. And apparently all the kids didn't come to school that day. So as the last person, there was no secret Santa gift left for me. Oh, no, that's traumatizing. (laughs) Yes. On top of always being picked last in school. So what did the teacher do? She gave me her almanac that was on her desk like that was my secret santa gift wait how did you feel about that i felt awful i was always the kid who was bullied i was always the kid who was ostracized it, you know it just contributes to like everything but hey i taught myself sign language from that thing. <laughs> that was like sort of, people are like oh how do you know the sign language alphabet because there was no secret santa at least he got a skill uh, <laughs> it's so sad it's not where everything stems from, but it contributes to so much of isolating myself. And then what was also cool is that we had this reading program. So you would mark how often, like how many minutes you read. And if you, you can earn free tickets to Six Flags based on how much you read. So me, the lonely kid with the almanac, <laughs> would like oh, read 10 minutes here, read seven minutes there, read 30 minutes here. That's my grade school story that really sticks out regarding reading. Now, I was very much a chick contemporary romance. I call it trash novels, but I say it in such an endearing way. And I say it with love because I feel like when you talk to other people, especially in a coworker setting, you can't really openly say that you like Chiclet, you know it's because they're not the classics or they're not this like memoir, and there's such a stigma that comes from them. I don't even want to begin with some of the covers because sometimes just the covers are embarrassing. Which thank God for eBooks because you don't have to show anybody those covers. But then when I go on Goodreads, the covers are there, and then you have people who are like that. That's what she's reading. I'm like, it's so much more than this stupid cover. But is it? It's not. But it's just. they're always happily ever afters. They're Hallmark movies and a book. I don't necessarily have that happiness going on in my life, so I'm going to live through it vicariously through words. I never, I think, to what you said, Laura. I've never read the classics, like you said. You you don't appreciate them when you're younger, and then in our high school, girl, usually you start reading the classics in high school. I, I feel like because there was different levels of literature. You had your standard English, you had your remedial English, you had your English honors. And then my high school, we had dual enrollment and AP English. They're the advanced placement and the dual enrollment is like you're dually enrolled both in high school and college classes and you can get credit for them. Whereas with the AP, you have to take the advanced placement test and score like four or five to get the college credit. Dual enrollment, you automatically get it as long as you're passing. So I feel like the classics were introduced with the remedial and standard level Englishes, at least at my school, high school. So then I was never exposed to them because I was always in the advanced classes. And, you know, at this point in my life, I didn't go back to like, oh, I'm just going to go back and read it. I'd much rather watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet than read it. In a book. I don't know. Leonardo DiCaprio. That movie could be anybody's awakening, you know, regardless of who you're attracted to.
0: Just thinking of John Leguizamo and his being able. (laughs) Fantastic. Just so fantastic. That's a really good point that you make. Listening to other people in your class reading Romeo and Juliet as you go down the row is not the best way to (laughs) consume a classic work of literature.
1: I remember junior year, we were reading the Scarlet Letter. So instead of the back and forth of, you know, going down the rows, everybody was assigned a role. So at least for from like an auditory perspective, you had the same person reading the same role throughout the semester.
0: That's pretty good. Although you were reading the Scarlet Letter, you definitely went to public high school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wait, why you guys? Are you guys gonna read it? Again? Yeah, I mean, I was in public school, like in or private. I went to private Catholic school when I was younger, but I definitely hit the public school high school. My family, I had to test into it because it was just so wild.
0: I went to private Catholic high school, and I know for a fact that we read Frankenstein. We weren't allowed to read Dracula, and <laughs> everything was a very yeah. We don't. We-
1: Really need to get into it? <clears throat> there's a lot more censored. Well, I, I don't know. Would you say that there's more censorship because of the Catholic church, like the, the involvement there? Or do you feel like you had more freedom because it was private and you it wasn't as restricted?
0: I think it was absolutely restrictive. I remember specifically reading about the Salem witch trials and, you know, we went through all of that. And um, what is that? What is it? The, the play. Oh. Oh. I know. I'm thinking about it. I know. It. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> it'll it'll come to us later. Oh, I was gonna say the crucible. It's not the crucible. That is. It's it is the crucible. It.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We we did that and um we couldn't read it as it was. We they, it was censored and we couldn't read certain parts. Yeah, it was upsetting. It, it was it was just very upsetting, especially um when I got older and we watched, you know, witchy stuff like Salem and it it was you know provocative and you're like wait a second
1: (laughs) this isn't what I remember after public high school high school in general I feel like some people get away from reading if not before then because you're just it's about finding what you like right and then you don't you don't sometimes you don't even find that till you're older or you grow and you learn and you're like I like this genre now and I like this other one later. I mean, I made it a point in December of last year to be like, you know what? I want to read more. Um I haven't really read recreationally outside of college for so long. I was working, you know, I was working full-time I was employed full-time, I was going to school, I was doing internships, but I didn't have any time for me. My time was pretty much allotted for. So I made it point. I was like, I, I just casually was like, I want to read more this year. And I did. As of last night, I was 72. Talk about your achievement last night. Oh, two books in one day. Yeah, I was yeah. so excited for that. I have never done that. I finished two books in one day. That's a huge thing. I mean, again, it's not like I wasn't reading The Cat in the Hat. Like I wasn't reading Dr. Seuss. They were just like quick no- novels. But that, I think that's also funny because it used to be, oh my gosh, because I've gotten into audiobooks a lot this year also, where a book used to be, you know, seven, nine hours. And now you're like, that's easy. We can do this. Like, that's an accomplishment. And then you think of Crescent City, which is 33 hours plus, is, uh. It's just so good. I can't wait to talk about Crescent City. Disclaimer, I'm new to the fantasy genre of it all in a book realm, as in August this year news. So please don't come for me. I'm emotionally floating through these books, and we are going to be leaning heavily into Laura as my sensei. She's kind of introduced me. She's got me into this. She's been begging me for years to get into these worlds. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, no, I really think, especially with A Court of Mist and Fury, she was like, no, I think you can relate. I, I was not in a great point you know yeah yeah that sounds good ha 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 now I'm just mad at myself because I have loved these worlds in a tv and film capacity already meeting the actors going to cons working conventions and even just being in the industry as a whole now so now I'm just mad at myself but (laughs) Akamath and Akawar had me in severe book hangovers for at least two weeks so thank you Laura for that I appreciate you My, I like I said earlier, my nutritionist yelled at me, but I cosplayed as Bryce Quinlan this year for Halloween and I looked good in my dress, so I don't even care what my nutritionist
0: said. (laughs) Safely and socially
1: distanced. Oh, yes, totally safely and socially distanced. Like me and one friend, and we were apart, we were six feet apart, and she was taking pictures completely. COVID appropriate Halloween. <laughs> which is the best. And
0: I will say that it was very satisfying to watch you have these reactions to these books because I've been on my own for a very long time with these books. And with you reading them and then adding in book talk, which has completely just opened doors and changed lives, I think the book community has really
1: thriving. It is thriving. Amazon is sold out of Queen of Nothing. How do you, these are books that unless it was Harry Potter, would have never been sold out.
0: Absolutely. And especially with Queen of Nothing when it it came out last year or the year before. And I know that it's only in, it's in this year's Goodreads competition. It's in by the skin of its teeth, which is very interesting because it's in there with all the new releases from this year.
1: Right. And I just finished Queen of Nothing the other day. It was so good. Yes. That itself could be its own episode.
0: No, we we know exactly what the folk of the air episode will be. And it's
1: about Oh no! I it's about a certain know. body part. Oh, I, I always block that out. I don't know why. But Laura is oh poor Laura. So Laura, a little bit about Laura and I right now. I'm based out of New York and Laura's living in Germany. So we have a nice six hour difference between us. So I'll be going to sleep reading and i'll record my reactions and sometimes i upload them onto tiktok she's usually the person i send my most genuine reactions to first so i'm going to bed freaking out about wherever i am in the book and laura is the one who has to deal with the ear pitching screams or my sobs like this is as my best friend, she's also the person who listens to my voicemails of me crying over a boy. So now she gets to see me crying over these fictional characters that I'm just so deeply and heavily involved with. I can't, I can't like anything halfway. And I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Where you're just like, you, I can't be a casual person who consumes media. <laughs> All or nothing. I think that's a
0: nice segue to mention our con life. I'm just thinking of this now. It's another thing that I pulled you into
1: mm-hmm.
0: with New York Comic Con and Philadelphia Wizard World and the Supernatural Convention. Oh yeah. And gracious. and, and Wa- Walker Stalker Con, all of these things. That is an interesting part of our life that would not have been the same if we had done it individually. It's always better when we do it together.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of the topics that, whether it's the books or the cons or even we're going to be discussing a lot about the stigmas that come with these passions of ours. I was raised as somebody who... You have to worry about how you're perceived to the world. You are a, a representation of this family. You are an extension. You need to carry yourself a certain way to the point where, like, my parents censored who I could be friends with because of their perceptions of certain people. And that I feel like that also contributed to maybe some of the genres that I got into, the things that I liked. It definitely. I didn't enjoy con life because I think there is a stigma that goes with people who participate in comic cons. It was unfortunately not something that people would want to associate with in the past. And now it's such a popular thing. And I think one of the nice things I really appreciated Zachary Levi had this interview with the build series. He said something along the lines of People want to hate on nerds or geeks or whatever. But at the end of the day, at our core, we're all a nerd for something. So why are we making it a negative thing? And I think that's so important to focus on because it goes back to the all or nothing. There's something very personal. When you're passionate about something, it's okay to say you're a nerd because it's something that you love. Absolutely right.
0: I'm thinking of the things that we love so much and the first thing that I'm thinking of is Doctor Who
1: that was the first that was I feel like another wave that I got into the con and sci-fi of it all because I'm so I don't want to say I'm an analytical person but I question things a lot and I remember you said just keep watching it and I go I just don't get it this part wouldn't make sense and then flash forward to Avengers Endgame last year and someone was explaining time travel and they go, wait, so Back to the Future is a lie. And I was like, wait, no, that absolutely makes sense. That your past is your future. I, the whole description where the general public was like, that doesn't make sense. And as people who are familiar with comics and sci-fi and fantasy, you held a beat. You're like, wait, that absolutely makes sense. It does. It kind of goes into the,
0: you have to just let it flow over you and absorb it all. And, and it's it's so hard to do. But once you are in it... Then it is easier to branch off in, into into other things, which is very important. I bring this up for Jessica, who's new to the genre. When I was pitching Akatar and Akamaf to her, and I was telling her that it's about the Fey, uh, <laughs> it, it was it was a challenge for her because of the, I guess, a stigma, the misconception of Fey versus fairy. And it is very different. Fairies are very different from the fae, especially the fae in Sarah J. Mass. Her fae are completely different from, I would say, fairies. And I am thinking of um, the Queen of Nothing. Those are fairies, but it's, you know, F-A-E-R instead of F-A-I-R-Y. They're not, you know, Tinkerbells. (laughs) We're not into that.
1: Kind of fae fairy world. Give me an SJM mail. Any day. like that's its own episode because it's its own episode. I will. I have hard eyes the whole time,
0: <laughs> and it also uh, makes me want to bring up something that happened to me in New Jersey. Jesse, you know this. I had started a new job in New Jersey, and we were going around the room doing icebreakers, and people were asking, you know, was the most recent book that you had read, and I lied. Because I was reading a YA book and I did not think that that was appropriate for the setting that I was in. So I said that I was reading The Hobbit, you know, kind of in the same vein or whatever, but more respectable for whatever reason. And then my boss, my boss said in front of everybody that she was reading Fifty Shades of Grey and everyone around her went, oh, yes, yes. Oh, you'll love it.
1: Not even like a gasp of (gasps) the horror, but like into it.
0: (laughs) They were so into it. And it was, I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed for her. I was embarrassed for them. And then I was embarrassed about myself. Like, why did I, and this goes back to you talking about stigma. Why did I feel like I needed to lie about reading YA? Like, yes, I'm not the target audience for YA, And I think that is its own episode too, YA versus new adult, even though new adult didn't
1: really take off. But even appreciating YA as not a young adult, I didn't read young adult when I was a young adult, I don't think. Or if I did, and we've had this conversation too, of who were the heroines? What, like Jessica and Elizabeth from Sweet Valley High (laughs) or the Babysitter's Club? The only person I liked in the babysitter's club was Stacy because she was from New York. And then she had to get implanted into the suburbs. Girl, same. Like, I struggle. I, and I think that's something that really resonated with you, too, is in YA and,
0: and, and in your, as we say fondly, your trash books. But but I think more so in YA, you find there is a, a rich environment of
1: strong women oh, yeah. and doing revolutionary things. And that's important because we're just now seeing that happen more and more in not just in a, in a book capacity, but in a public capacity. We now have a woman of color vice president in the White House. It has been over 200 years and we are now just seeing the excitement of women in power in these powerful positions. And I think that's the direction it needs to continue. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: And of course, we have to do a shout out to the beautiful community of TikTok teens who have really grown up with the Hunger Games, who have grown up with these books that have shaped them into revolutionaries. And we celebrate and applaud that because they will save us.
1: I think we've had this conversation, you know, people want to hate on millennials, but well, Gen Z is the first generation where the generation that came before them are excited. I stand Gen Z. I try to be like Regina George's mom. I feel cool. I feel young. I'm not a regular millennial. I'm a cool millennial because I feel like I can relate to them more now because of book talk because of TikTok in general. And I'm so proud of the people that they're becoming like they have this voice that we were trained or taught growing up to be quiet to be nice to be respectful even if somebody didn't earn that respect you still needed to be this good girl and that comes from also from growing up in the south it is drilled into you it really is and i think having an outlet like TikTok
0: has been world altering. And I'm very excited to see where it goes and very excited because of the way that TikTok and BookTok specifically fills in the gaps for kind of the, the different fandoms. So you have, which we recently shared, it was what it looks like if Cardin loves you. And it was just all these images with like music oh. playing and, and it's, and it's, you know, running through fields and daggers and crowns and
1: snakes. But that can also, like, I feel like that's also contributing. I don't know if you've gotten to this part of TikTok because I'm on mental health TikTok a lot. It just pops up for non obvious reasons, but they talk about the maladaptive daydreaming. Have you come across that? No, my For You page is um, book talk, horses
0: and frogs.
1: I can't believe you're still on Frog TikTok. <laughs> I'm still on Frog TikTok.
0: I'm also slightly on uh, Witch TikTok, which is oh. very interesting, and I love
1: it very much. Is that is the Witch TikTok the same thing as the Spiritual TikTok? No. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I'm definitely off. No, I'm on like Book Talk, BLM TikTok, definitely Mental Health Awareness. But sometimes maladaptive daydreaming coincides with the Book Talk community, and everyone's like wait, that's not just me creating fanfics in my head. Like, this is a disorder. <laughs> I was like, this is so wild. But this is probably how fanfics also start. Like, people create these worlds in their head. They're like, I'm going to write that down.
0: Sure. And of course, we love and acknowledge the importance that fanfic has.
1: I can't wait for that episode.
0: Exactly. Do the genres, um, please rest assured that fanfiction will have its own dedicated episode. I have so many thoughts. I have so many thoughts. I'm thinking immediately of my quarantine for you page on TikTok being all about Kylo Ren and
1: very explicit. I'm just thinking of when I was reading and I mean, well, I'll I'll explain, explore it further. When I was reading more fanfics, I can say it was like 2014 to 2015 because that was the best season of Arrow. And I was reading all the Olicity fanfics. My, vocabulary improved because I was like, wait, I've never heard this word before. And people are clearly using a thesaurus, which, hey, great. I just had to like touch my finger on a screen and I learned a new word. That happened to you recently too. I was just thinking, I cannot remember what that word was. No, I think it was like turgis or something. Turgis. It
0: was describing the hardness of a nipple, (laughs) which will of course be its own episode when we talk about smut.
1: That is its own episode because you have people who are like, "This is this spicy," and they held hands. You're like, "You just, you just held hands, okay? Good, good for you. Maybe you're reading fanfics in Utah." But...
0: Burn. <laughs> Speaking of spiciness, I will say that the spiciest book that I have read this year has, without a doubt, been *A Kingdom of Flesh and Fire*. Really? Is it because of that scene that you were telling me about? But kind of not. The like, kind of. Alluding to the joining scene, right? Not as hot as some of the other ones. It got pretty heated. Uh, and You're just like, Hmm, wow, just hasn't read it. I don't want to give it away. But uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm very excited for this three way. That has been uh, promised.
1: And I haven't read it yet because Laura, I was like, do I read it? Because I keep trying to put off Throne of Glass. And she goes, the third book comes out. Wait till the third book comes out. So then you could just like binge all three back to back. So I'll definitely read it, the two, right before the third one comes out. So then Laura and I will eventually have an episode about the third book book or where we are with that reading process, because I have to play 15 million years of catch up in regards to this the, this fantasy genre. And uh, it's hard to be involved with book talk right now because I want to be engaged. And then I also don't want to have spoilers because some of these spoilers are, I, I don't want it to be ruined. And I had one spoiler happen in crescent city and i freaked out and i told laura and she was like well it's not that big of a point part and i was like are are, are we sure And she goes you're fine you're sure but that makes a huge difference in my experience and to go with what laura was saying is sometimes especially with the the sci-fi fantasy genre you have to just go with it even as i've learned to go with it i'm still also very much a person to guess and have speculations because i i just want to be right i I just want to be able to say, like, I knew it. And then when I'm not right, she's like, and she keeps saying, you just have to go with it. Don't make speculations. Cause every time I've made a speculation in the SJM world specifically, I've been wrong. Eh, I've been wrong 80% of the time. I was right. I was right about Reese, like right in the beginning of Acabath. I was like, he's gonna show up. That's true, you were. The only thing I was right about. But yeah,
0: her big twist though. Boy, oh boy. But, you know, it's important to to note that you're not alone in that. We know that SJM isn't perfect. We know she has her own issues, but I'll be damned that woman can write a plot and she can plan out a plot. And I think we're all very excited for you Jess, to go ahead and start Throne of Glass so that you can experience what it's like to have a slow burn payoff mm. and then to lose your
1: absolute shit. I know everybody has a different way of reading them, but as I had mentioned before, I'm leaning heavily into Laura as my sensei, so I will be reading it in the direction she tells me.
0: And that direction is Throne of Glass, then book two, and then it is up to Jess to read Assassin's Blade before book three or after book three, but she must read it before book four. I will, of course, leave it up to her if she wants to read Tower of Dawn. People don't like Tower of Dawn. It is what it is. You could, I guess, theoretically skip it and then just like read, I don't know, like a summary of it.
1: (laughs) It sounds like it was super impactful to the series.
0: Yeah, you understand what I mean. Jess has in her possession the Throne of Glass coloring book
1: without having read any of it. So... We are in a quarantine COVID life. So TikTok has taken over my life. And one of my scrolling sessions, somebody had found this Akatar coloring book. And they found it at the Dollar General or something. I had traveled to $12 Generals by my house in two days, and I could not find Akatar anywhere. But I found one throne of glass, and I was just like, I'm just gonna grab it. I haven't read it, I haven't opened it, but I have a feeling I'm going to need this at some point. And again, this goes back to also, I can't like anything halfway. When I tell you this is the only thing I wanted for weeks and all I could find was the Throne of Glass. I went to every Dollar General Dollar General or whatever it was and I found Throne of Glass and it's on my shelf. It's right behind all of my SJM books, all of them, because I have the hard copies, I have the new covers, I have the signed first edition. They're scattered amongst uh, the poor guy I ever bring home. I told you, he's going to go into the living room and he's going to be like, oh, a biography on Walt Disney. Oh, the marketing, the science behind marketing and consumerism. And then my bedroom is like, it's going to be like, what was Dodgeball when he goes to the girl's house and it's unicorns
0: everywhere? Oh, it's all unicorns. Oh.
1: <laughs> it's going to be me, in my SJM bedroom. Be like, I really just like Faye. And then I have fan art. I'm going to have to, what am I going to do? Put them in a photo album and so I don't get to enjoy them. I have to put the fan art out somehow. Shout out
0: to the new fan art being released on the 17th, probably out by the time this episode is released, of course, but I'll be goddamned. I want it
1: real Ugh, bad. I want
0: it all. And we're
1: new to all of this in regards to podcasting and social media. We have our personal Instagram pages and stuff, but we're going to be, very much about women empowering women and just giving appropriate shout outs. So you're going to see a lot of that from our Instagram pages of fan art. We like um, things that are funny people that we like accounts that we appreciate because that's what this whole thing is. It's a community and we want to immerse ourselves in the conversation. You know, I think it's hard. It's hard to make friends hard. It's too to find People with like mindedness, especially when you're in quarantine. What are you going to do? Go to a library? Like the library, you have to be quiet. Like you really can't socialize or talk about this stuff. And we just want everybody to grow and find like a safe space where we can all just openly talk about the things that we love and the things that we appreciate because sometimes the internet is rough. The internet itself blogging sites and Reddit and people are complaining. And, you know, why do we have to focus on the negativity around everything? You need to find these silver linings, especially right now, especially with different parts of the world in lockdown, coming out of lockdown, going back in. Like, we've been ruined for 11 months, it feels like.
0: Yeah, it's almost COVID's birthday. <laughs> we celebrate Ooh, that? Happy birthday, COVID. Go, go the fuck away. No one wants you. <laughs> going back to women empowering women, I also just want to make it very clear that cosplaying is really difficult. And it's something that we are not great at. And we are going to be shouting out some of these fantastic cosplayers that we have found as we've really dove into everything related to the fandoms. I'm thinking of three off the top of my head that are just absolutely fantastic. Mass Trash. Yes, Mass Trash. Peachy Cash. Peachy. And then... There's another one that I recently just found that it's like the three of them together are very good. And we, we love them. We love what they can do. It's not just makeup skills. It's not just getting a wardrobe. It's so much more than that. And it's just something that I know that I could never pull off.
1: That we can even dive into later. I just appreciate there's an art to it. They, like I feel like they become the character. For me with the the Bryce Quinlan cosplay, like I didn't even consider it a cosplay. Like I felt like I dressed up with based on like the outfits that were described from the book, but I didn't feel like I was bringing her to the forefront. I don't know. That's its own conversation for Crescent City. In case you're wondering Crescent City will be our next
0: episode and we are going to dive very very deep into that and Jessica's reaction to that which has been a st- Astonishing. One
1: thing I know people will have a misconception about Capricorns is that we're very hard, we're very rigid, walls are up. I will probably 99.9% sure I will cry during that episode talking about it because I still can't emotionally reread it because it hits so hard for me. Which is fantastic
0: because I gave this book recommendation to her after she read through Akatar. I was like, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah,
1: you it's lighter. You'll be fine. It'll
0: be a little bit easier. <laughs> you know, there's maybe three or four parts where you'll be sad, but, you know, I only really cried in one. And then she's sending me these reaction videos where she can't speak. Sobbing! Like, ugly crying. I was just like,
1: whoa, shit. That was, you know... There, you've also said that about other things. You're like, oh, it's fine, and then, oh, oh, never mind. I'm not going to go there because that's another spoiler. But there will be spoilers in our podcast because there's going to be so much crossover in the conversations that we're having. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, don't don't come for us about that. There will be a disclaimer. There, there's all sorts of things. So, don't don't ever worry about that. And in the episode titles, we'll be very clear about kind of the topic that we will be discussing so next episode it will be crescent city but we will probably pull in from other things so just kind of know that going in but also these books have been out there a lot and have been discussed a lot too so i mean if at this point you don't really know what's going on then i mean that's on y'all
1: even in the episode descriptions, if, there's, if we know we're talking about certain books, like, we'll give you guys a heads up. Like, hey, there's going to be spoilers for A through Z. Take that as you will. Some people love spoilers. Some people don't. For me, it also depends on the book. It depends on the show. And it's not just books that we're talking about either. There's a lot of things that are pulled from shows that we've watched that you just see that crossover, overarching themes that tie into a lot of the things that we discuss. Absolutely. It's just
0: something that we will be very mindful of. I
1: don't know how mindful. Well, as
0: mindful as as we can be.
1: Like, how can you have the conversation if it's going to be spoiler free?
0: And also, uh, I think that goes back to the excerpts that are being released for the upcoming Cassian and Nesta Court of Silver Silver Flames Flames. book. Sarah J Mass has been, as she always does, releasing little out of context excerpts that could be considered spoilers but again like you don't know the context so i guess not really and i think that is important too because if we're talking about something and you don't know the context of it is it really a spoiler i don't know not to get philosophical but
1: but that's like um and the excerpts from queen of nothing that i had seen I, when I was on Amazon, I was like, oh, and then I was looking through like these posts and I was freaking out because I thought I was ge- being spoiled. But then I remembered: one, they were posted publicly before I even got to it. But two, you don't know the context. So even one of the quotes in the beginning of the book, if it was just the quote itself, you would think, OK, this is this is a heavy spoiler. But then once you read it, you realize it's not a spoiler, really. It's a dream. But you don't know it's the dream unless you knew the context. That's also something. There's always a dream sequence. (laughs) There is always a dream sequence. (laughs) An episode
0: about dream sequences and what they do and do not mean could be very interesting. There's so much. It's going to be fun. So all of these conversations that we're we're having, all of these ideas that we are spitballing is kind of the reason why we decided to make this podcast because we need someone else to hear it because we're just talking to (laughs) ourselves.
1: That's really it. I think I don't want to say we're going in circles, but it's to bring other people into the conversation. And it's not just one thing or the other. And I think we bring in a, a quote-unquote adult perspective. I mean- Absolutely. And I, and I really want to point
0: out that kind of the overarching theme of this podcast is going to be just like strong, powerful women and the, the kind of influence that has on people and the story. I have not come across a female character that has been like, super annoying or made terrible decisions in the the YA genre. Now there, there are obviously some people that I don't like for various reasons, but you know, we're we're all about empowering women here and we're going to kind of stick to that. So I think that having kind of a platform to celebrate women is very important and we're going to be using this to do that and, it helps us too, because we are very powerful women.
1: <laughs> or we're trying to remind ourselves that we are powerful women. You know, we we have our moments. And
0: I think that speaks to the power of books too, because when you start to feel that you doubt yourself, you can always go back to a book that has a strong female character. And of course, Jess, I'm thinking about Bryce in Crescent City. That is your like comfort character. You can go back to her when you need to feel the strong ties of friendship because that book isn't specifically about romantic love.
1: Right. No, I think right off the top of my head, I was thinking of the video I sent you that I wound up posting on TikTok where I was just like, can we just say for a second that and it coincides with Jude also that these are people these are these are characters that people look down on because they're not fully immortal or fully magical yet you're relying on these people who are can do the job that you cannot do, and it's these powerful women who also have to remind themselves who the fuck they are and I think it's just it's so it's so special that you don't even see that you don't see that often you know and if you do you really gotta dig and they're not fun or if they are a strong person they aren't this fun like they're all like studious and uptight and you know there's there's so many ways to be powerful and I think these characters exude that sense of self and strength and different lived experiences. Especially when you're
0: thinking that they're, they're not fun and they all have some sort of trauma. There's a lot of TikTok videos that talk about the uh, mental illnesses that a lot of the characters have uh, both men and women. And it is very important to acknowledge that and acknowledge that through their own strength through the strength of their friends and family and the support that they have. They have for the most part been able to dig themselves out of that kind of situation and kind of grow from that. While also acknowledging that that kind of growth doesn't happen overnight and that it does leave scars. And that just speaks to the, the strength of the books, the genre,
1: the author's and the characters which makes it so relatable where these stories are happening are not real but where the stories are coming from are very real people go through this regularly people have experienced their own trauma people have to dig themselves out and they have to rely on themselves and people do rely on other people and to what you said with mental health i think that's what makes it so relatable even if it's not in a in a realistic world.
0: And I think that's a really good segue to say again that our next episode will be about Crescent City. It will be about the beautiful friendship that is in that book and the heartbreak as well.
1: And it will be Jessica sobbing. Me sobbing the whole time. I'm just going to like I'm just going to keep tissues. Maybe maybe we won't video record that one. <laughs> just see me crying on the internet. And we 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 love that we we love
0: that vulnerability. <laughs> we love the vulnerability. We love that those characters can kind of bring that out, and uh, you know, my friends are with me, and I am not afraid.
1: Stop it. <laughs> I hate you so much. I hate you, but I
0: love you. And I think that is. A really nice way to wrap up this episode and kind of lead into the next one.
1: So feel free to join us as we talk into the abyss every Monday. Subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Acafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E Podcast.
0: Yeah, we look forward to seeing you next week.
1: Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>